Welcome to the Living Stones podcast. These are a recording of our Sunday morning meetings. We pray that these will be a blessing to you. So please enjoy listening. If you want to know more, please contact us at office at livingstoneschurch.co.uk. Oh, good, good morning. My name is Martin, so it's my responsibility to uh, just be leading it through this morning. It's lovely to welcome people and a special joy to welcome an old friend, David John, who's here uh, with us this morning. Yeah, oh yeah, come on, let's stand and give him a clap. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll be introducing David later, uh, but he's going to be speaking uh, with us uh, on the next section of the uh, letter to the Hebrews that we are going through together as a church. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to immediately hand over to Ellie, who's leading our worship time this morning. It's great to be together. It's the family of God in the presence of God. Thank you, Lord, for your grace to us in our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we can come free as your children, loved, accepted, forgiven, And we can come together as your wonderful family. And we know that you are here. Your Holy Spirit is with us. So we thank you for the joy of this creation that we live in and your abundant provision for our needs. We thank you for the joy of our salvation. Though we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we, we come together as a forgiven people this morning. Help us, Lord, morning, in our everyone. worship to honour you and in our um, listening to listen carefully to your word. And I pray, Father, that in our, that, that, that our whole demeanour We're going to worship this morning with some songs uh, which uh, we, just we glorify the awesome wonder and honour to you. God. Um, and um, I would like you please to be looking up um, Bible verses that just declare his majesty, morning. his awesome In wonder, his name. works of creation, Amen. his glory, his splendour, his beauty. Um, so uh, in between the songs, if we can be reading out verses um, from his scriptures that just declare his awesome wonder. And let's, um, let's let God in, in that take us into his heavenly realm. The kingdom of heaven is here on earth where God is awesome in power and the cherubim and the seraphim bow down. Jesus brought that kingdom here. So let's, let's uh, sing worship and um, praise to him this morning in that kingdom, in that heavenly place, with all the, uh, joining with all the angels. Amen. Let's sing, O Lord my God, when I an awesome wonder how great thou art. This, um, as we sing this next song, um, be looking up in scripture, there's so many. Um, the Psalms is a good place to start if you're not sure, have a flick through the Psalms and if you just see a, a, a word about the awesomeness of God or praising God, then um, just one verse, let's all declare how amazing our God is.
in our all-age time, our family time, we are looking at characters in the Bible who may not always get a mention. Sue's going to introduce us to this week's. Thank you, Sue. Right. So, good morning, everyone. Today, we're going to look at one, and I want you to be really honest. This is really, we're all truthful here, aren't we? Because we, we follow our Saviour Jesus. And um, so who has heard of this chap? I don't know how you pronounce it, but we're going to call him Shimei. Anybody heard of him? Come on, hands up. Oh, a few, a few, a few, a few. Um, yeah. Now, Shimei, Shimei was a character who um, is known in the Bible for not a good thing. Okay, King David was walking through his town, and this man Shimei was a relative of the previous king, before Dave, King David, whose name was Saul. And when he saw David and his men uh, walking through, he started to shout, boo, and he started to throw stones. So this group here, I'd like you to uh, shout out, boo, and uh, also then pretend to throw stones while we, um, mm? oh, and mud was there, and mud, okay, while King David walks through. I'm going to walk through. Off you go. David enjoyed that? No. You know, his friends were so angry that they decided they'd like to do something. So they said, David, David, let us go and chop his head off. Let Give him what he deserves. Anyone, anyone know how David responded? Those who've heard of Shimei will know. Okay. He said, no, just leave him alone, leave him alone, doesn't matter, leave it. David was bigger, King David was bigger than Shimei and all his insults. Now, we come to the New Testament, and we come to King David's greater son, who was Jesus. And I'm going to tell you about some other people called... Samaritans. Now, I hope most of you <laughs> have heard of the Samaritans. You might not have heard of Shimei, but you've definitely probably heard of the Samaritans. They were not uh, the same as the Jews. They, was, they were kind of a sect that were, had some truth, but not all the truth. So these are the Samaritans. Okay. Let me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we read in Luke, we read, as the time approached for him, Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead 
who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. So this crowd here, you're the Samaritans, and you're, what things do you say when you don't really welcome anyone? Clear. Go on, come on, clear. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> clear. <laughs> Now, here's the point. What did Jesus say? Oh, first of all, what did the disciples to say that were with Jesus? When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they were really upset. And they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Jesus turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. So, what lesson can we learn from King David's attitude and the, uh, Jesus' attitude to the Samaritans who didn't want him there? Clear off. You, d- we don't, you don't belong here. Just clear off. We don't believe in you as our saviour. We've got someone else. What do we learn? Love your enemies. Well done, Ruth. You got it straight away in a, in, a, in a sentence. Yes. So we're told, aren't we? Love your enemies. Don't let's get upset by people all over on our televisions. And, and, uh, people don't want Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. They reject him and they use his name and God's name in a really awful way. And it pains us, does it? Does it make us upset? It makes me upset. Something inside me hates it. But I've got to be bigger. I've got to be bigger. And it also says, love your enemies. And then Jesus went on and said, pray for those who persecute you and hate you. So let's do it, shall we? Shall we? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Not always easy. So now you know the shimmy eye and his attitude. Let's ignore it. Thank you, Lord. We will. We will. We will follow your way, Lord. And we will, uh, as, as much as within us lies, try and bless our enemies and people who don't believe in you. You never know what might happen in the future. Um, the Samaritans did turn to Jesus later on in, in, in time. So, dear Father, here we are. Be with us, Lord. May we be those people that are completely different as you were. Amen. Great, thank you. It's one of the hardest things, isn't it, to, to love your enemies? Is that, uh, but it's the way Jesus went, and it's the way we should go. Now, I'm going to uh, get a PowerPoint up on the screen. Right. This is leading somewhere, all right, but f- trust me and follow it. About 15 years ago, Some Eastbourne churches sent out a lovely couple who were living in Eastbourne and we sent them out, their names were Dan and Susie Dugmore, and we sent them out to work as missionaries in Southern Africa. When they went out, 
they didn't have their children with them. This is a later photograph of a later sending out as they're on the, uh, uh, at the airport ready to, to fly out. And, next one. Particular interest to us because Susie used to be part of our Sunday school. There's an old photograph and you might recognise someone else in that picture. <laughs> <laughs> you had straight hair then, Ellie. <laughs> Many moons ago. And for 10 years, they, I mean, they, they went different places, but they ended up based in Blantyre. You can see in the south of Malawi there. And while they were there in Blantyre, they developed... A YWAM base, a youth with a mission base there. And out of that base, amazingly, God used them to plant 10 projects, 10 new YWAM projects all over Malawi. And uh, one of the ones near Lilongwe is one that we are particularly interested in here as a church, but we're not focusing on that uh, now. And um, yeah, and they believed that God had given them those 10 years, 10 projects, mission fulfilled. It's, it's, it's an amazing story. Next one. And we were able in 2018, some of us were able to go out there into uh, uh, to Blantyre and visit them. And we joined in the work and we visited two of those um two of those projects that had been planted, and it was a, just an amazing experience. Okay, thank you. Next one. Now, God has led them to a wider ministry, and so they are now, if you look across, you've got Angola, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, and, of course, Malawi. They are now responsible for that sort of strip of countries all the way across from uh, west to east um, uh, of the coast of Africa. And they are now got a wider ministry uh, going to other Youth with a Mission bases all over those countries, encouraging them, building them up, resourcing them uh, to... Uh, grow and to fulfill a particular vision that they believe God has given them, uh, for really, for the world. We'll hear more about that in a moment. Okay, next. Now, they have been, uh, for the last couple of years really, well, 18 months or so, they've virtually been living out of a car. They travel they go to this space, to this space, to this space. I think they said they, the, the number of beds, Dan said the number of beds they'd slept in over the last 18 months, something like 178 beds or something. I can't remember exactly, but imagine what that life is like. And their kids are growing up and they're getting to their teenage years and they actually need to, they've been home educated up till now, but now they think it's time for them to settle and to get into schooling, so they need a settled home base. Okay, next one. And they have just put in an offer on this home in uh, Muizenburg in South Africa, uh, which is actually near another YWAM centre, 
uh, which they can also use as a, as, a, as a base for the family. So really, Susie and the kids will probably now spend more time there while Dan goes out on his travels much more. Okay, so that's the, uh, the scenario. Here's the kicker. Next slide. <laughs> Livingstones, can we help them buy their house? Okay, not, we're not going to, you know, obviously they, they've uh, shared this with a lot of their contacts and other churches and so on, so we won't, we're not responsible for the full amount. But nevertheless, we would love to be able to help them buy this house. And so in the next couple of weeks, we'll, we're going to ask for a special offering to... Uh, in addition to what you might regularly give to the church, we're, we're appealing for a special offering to go towards this. And buy one, get two free. You, every pound you give, uh, uh, we, our wonderful leaders here have decided we're going to add two pounds from our our church funds, okay? So if we manage to raise a thousand pounds, we'll be able to send three thousand. Okay? So just so be ready for it. In the next two weeks, we're going to uh, give uh, you the details of how you can give, and we'll, we'll make this, uh, that special offering uh, then. Now, we're going to also just show you uh, a, a clip, uh, a video clip, and, and Dan will. As part of this clip, he'll share with you something of the exciting vision they believe God has put on their heart for this part of Africa. Okay, more of that in the next couple of weeks. Okay, so time for uh, the children to go to their group now and also I think the 321 group are going uh, off uh, this morning into their group uh, before we do we will take up the offering for the children so have I got the well we have okay here is our little bit of Africa it is Twiga our giraffe are you going to do this for us oh wonder some money, got some offering to put in. Okay, so children, if you've got a, a, an offering to bring to uh, this, these are for our, uh, our sponsored children. Actually, these are in uh, Uganda, not southern Africa, but uh, it's, it's wonderful just to be able to bless that continent anyway. So there we are. All good. And I think we'll pass our offering basket round just to say if you're a visitor. Uh, this is not for you. These are, this is for regular Livingstones people and for those of you that do give by cash, this is your opportunity uh, to give. So pass that round. Thank you. Those of you who are eager-eyed will see that I've corrected the dates on here. Uh, Holiday Club is five weeks away. Um, you have got a flyer and you've got a registration form on your tables if you know somebody who you can pass it on to. I do need people to help me. I need about six people a day. Um, makes it comfortable 
and there are numbers. The other thing I do need, which I can guarantee every person in this church can help me with, is I need cardboard boxes. I need cereal boxes. If you have lattes, I need your latte boxes. If you order from Amazon, I need your Amazon boxes. Any cardboard boxes, because we're looking at building, and one of our games involves a lot of boxes. So if I don't have boxes, we can't do one of our activities. So get the boxes coming as soon as you can. So any cardboard boxes of any size or description, I will have them. And we will recycle them afterwards. So when we're ready, everybody... So we, we first met uh, Dave and Dallas and John uh, back in the early 90s. Uh, they were part of the leadership team at Battle Baptist Church. And we, we, we got together to uh, some crazy brainchild of having something called East Sussex Bible Week based at Ashburnham, and that morphed into Ashburnham Bible Week and ran for at least, well, we were trying to work out how long it went Several for. Years. At least yeah. 10 years anyway, yeah. 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 And, um, and so uh, and we were much involved on the ministry team there and worked together in the leadership of that, of that amazing event. Uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of lives were touched mm. through those Bible Weeks in an, uh, an incredible way. Um, I mean, I, I, we had a, a, a crazy idea of doing a, a morning show, all-age show, which was a sort of slightly wacky to wake people up, and but actually uh, under the radar to slip in some really, um, you know, important truths about just living for Jesus. And, uh, and I started off twanging my out-of-tune... Uh, uh, you know, guitar to to lead this thing, and it was a bit bit awful. And I remember D D Dave coming along most graciously, saying, I, "I think we can we can help with the music <laughs> side of this." <laughs> and was with that, that gracious about? And uh, yeah, and so we, we we were able to to, to grow a, a, a lovely worship team that actually assisted in that one. Now that was one of my memories. But um, so yeah, welcome, Dave. Thank you, and Martin. I um, I understand you're coming back again, God willing, sometime. And Alison is going to be with you, which yeah, would be really good. Firm, so yeah, that that be, that's that'd right. Be great fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm going to just hand over. To, I'm going to pray for you now. I'm going to hand over to you and ask also that you you introduce yourself Certainly. a little bit to yeah. to us. Yeah. So, Father, I want to thank you for our fellowship in Christ, Lord, the mm -hmm. wonder of the family of God, Lord, and, and, and the things you teach us by your Spirit through your Word, Lord. 
is 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 great because we're on the same page and it's wonderful to welcome back friends from our past and to see how god has been using them and and we pray now for for dave lord that you your anointing and blessing will be on him but also with us that we might hear from you through the words he shares in jesus martin thank you for that lovely warm welcome it's absolutely brilliant to be with you as martin says we go back several years in fact martin the first time I think I ever met you was the Make Way March in Brighton, which would have been the 1980s, I think. Do you remember that? Do you remember Make Way? Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> but then, as Martin says, we were involved in the Ashburn and Bible Week. Ellie, I remember you and your brother when you were teenagers. And you were involved in that early morning Thing yeah. Were, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, the late great breakfast show, fantastic. <laughs> and obviously Jeanette, I've known for many years through Battle Baptist Church when we were part of the uh, the team there. Um, Alison and I moved on from Battle. We went up to the Medway Towns, I ministered there for a number of years. Uh, briefly, I was in West Sussex, but the last eleven or twelve years of our ministry were in the New Forest. Lovely place, if you know the New Forest, New Milton, about 10 miles from Bournemouth. And uh, we actually retired from kind of stipended ministry two years ago. And because our daughter Katie lives on the outskirts of Bristol, we moved to a place called Portishead, which few people have heard of, other than that there was a band called Portishead. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know anything about their music or, or whether they came from Portishead, but actually... My children, do any of you watch Frasier? I'd never heard of it, but there's a program called Frasier and a guy called Kelsey Grammer who has just moved to Portishead. <laughs> so we're on the map. <laughs> but, pardon? Is he? Wow. That's really interesting. So he may be there on a Sunday morning. I shall look out for we're now part of a lovely church called Gordano Valley Church, and uh, I've got involved in the leadership there. Alison heads up the worship there, so we're still very much involved, but it's brilliant to be with you. And I've been given the title, The Gift of Exhortation, from two passages from Hebrews. Jeanette is very kindly going to read for me. Thanks, Jeanette. So the first one is Hebrews 4, verse 12 through to 16. Hebrews 4:12 to 16 For the word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Yeah, go on, yeah. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way 
just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Thank you so much. And then do you want the six? Yes. And then the other few um, verses are from chapter six, verses one to three. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Thank you very much. I'm sure many of you will be familiar with Tom Wright's uh, translation of and commentary on the New Testament. And in his one on Hebrews, he says this. Hebrews isn't a very relaxing book, is it? I thought that was a wonderful understatement because the book of Hebrews is challenging on so many levels. It's not one we can sit back and read comfortably because we find ourselves challenged at every level. And one of the reasons is the book of Hebrews contains a lot of exhortation. And I've got a question, and it's not a preacher's question. I really do want you to answer this question, if you would. (laughs) How would you define exhortation? What pictures, what words come to mind when you hear that word exhortation? Encouragement. Encouragement, thank you. Confusion. Confusion. (laughs) That's honest. Thank you. Staying on track, brilliant. Proclamation. Shouting out, interesting. I'll show you why in a minute, that's an interesting response. Very interesting. You haven't seen my uh, PowerPoint, have you? Honestly, you haven't. Because for me... That's the essence of exhortation. The coach there on the sidelines, calling out, shouting to the team, pointing his finger. If any of you watched the rugby yesterday, and I'll tell you, David John, I'm a Welshman. I'm not a happy bunny at the moment. But you'd have seen the coaches urging, encouraging, exhorting their teams. Now, we call this the gift of exhortation. And if it involves all of these things, why is exhortation a gift? It's not very comfortable, is it? Someone shouting at you from the sidelines. Why can it be a gift? Absolutely, Sue. And why do you do that? Yes, because you want the very best for them. And it's not always comfortable, but that's excellent. That's what it's all about. That exhortation is about seeing and getting the very best that people can be. I've got a little diagram here, which um, it's just something that I've found very, very helpful, personally and in terms of mentoring others over the years. It's called the Joe Harry Window. And seriously, it's called that because it was invented by two guys called Joe and Harry. (laughs) 
And they thought this up probably back in the 1950s now. But it's looking at ourselves in a number of ways. So there's that part of us which we know about ourselves and others see in us. That's the WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. And that's the open area. But there are also parts of us, our personalities, our characters, that we don't always see in ourselves. But as other people look at us and get to know us, they see. Those are our blind spots. And the way you deal with your blind spot is that you're open to response, to constructive criticism, that others can say, did you realize that you've got that unfortunate habit when you preach? Or, <laughs> you know, you tend to be rather negative or whatever. And if we can receive that, it's a way of developing and growing. But I think exhortation is largely concerned with these other two areas. Because there are those parts of us which other people don't see, but we don't even see in ourselves. Do you ever have the experience when you respond in a certain way and you think, why, why did I do that? Why did I respond in that way? It may be because of our upbringing, because of our education, because of our experiences. But of course, that part is known. Lord, search me, know me, see if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the everlasting path. But also, I think this is the most challenging one. There's what I call, or they call, the hidden area. The parts of ourselves that we know about, but for one reason or another, we keep hidden from others. And the thing about exhortation, especially through Scripture, which is what the writer is talking about, is that it can reach into that hidden area and challenge us to change there. So, says the writer of Hebrews, the word of God is like the sharp two-edged sword. Remember that it was an occupied country at that time that the Romans were occupying Israel and um, one of their weapons, one of their most effective weapons was the sharp two-edged sword. There's a, I'm sure, not sure that's an actual Roman, you know, I think it's <laughs> probably a reconstruction. But, I beg your pardon. Uh, you're <laughs> well spotted. You'd make a continuity person. Maybe. But the writer says three things about the word of God. First of all, that it penetrates. It cuts into the very deepest parts. The parts that we try and hide up, hide away. And actually, if you look at that first passage Jeanette read, I think the story of Eden lies underneath that. You know, Adam and, Adam and Eve sin and their attempts to cover up and hide from God. And actually, the Word of God can cut through all of that. We had a reminder this morning of a story about King David. A positive one, actually. But not all the stories about King David are quite so positive. And you probably remember that he had an affair with Bathsheba and uh, that he plotted the, uh, to kill her husband, Uriah. Do you remember that? And the way in which God dealt with that was that he called a prophet called Nathan to go in and see the king. And what Nathan did was to tell a story. Remember the story about the rich man and the poor man? And the rich man had flocks and herds, and the poor man had one little ewe lamb. And someone came to the rich man. He needed to provide hospitality. 
And instead of drawing from his own vast resources, he took the little ewe lamb and slaughtered the ewe lamb and offered that to the guest. And David burns with anger. Where is this guy? I'm going to sort him out. And Nathan says, you're the man. Absolutely. You know, cuts right through all the stuff, right into David's heart, and leads eventually to repentance and restoration. So the word of God, if we open, if we open ourselves to the word of God, and allow the word of God to exhort us, then it can penetrate right into the deepest hearts, parts of our being, into that hidden self which we're trying to cover up. It's also, the writer says, living. And we have an example of that from the book of Hebrews itself. One of the psalms that it quotes a lot from is Psalm 95. And Psalm 95 tells the story of Israel in the wilderness and the people hardening their hearts. Two different places called Mer Massah Meribah. And the psalmist in Psalm 95 takes that story as a warning and says, do not harden your hearts. Remember what they did back then and the result of that. Make sure that you, your hearts are open before the Lord. It's that psalm that begins, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us bow down to the God of our salvation. And then the writer of Hebrews, several hundred years later, quotes that psalm and says, listen, that word that the psalmist gave to the Israelites is still just as relevant for you today. And here we are in the 21st century, and the word of God still, that living word still speaks to us, still says, don't harden your hearts before the Lord. And it's active. The word of God is transformational. I found a wonderful example of that uh, in uh, the EA magazine, Idea. Always have some brilliant articles in here. It's about a particular prison ministry. And it says this, it's got a guy called Steve James who's a director of prison ministry for Christianity Explored. It says, in 1997, a group came to the prison where Stephen was serving time on a drug charge and shared the good news of Jesus. Filled with hope for a better future with Christ, not drugs, at the center, the prison ministry team discipled and supported him after he was released. At the time, he said to one of the trainers, my life has changed because of people like you. And now he is involved in that program. It's a three-strand evangelism program, a transformational evangelism and discipleship journey puts the living word of God into the hands of prisoners. Here's an example. Matthias, a prisoner from Uruguay, describes his experience. At first, while in prison, I was disconnected and didn't care about anything. One day while working, I was invited to take the prisoner's journey course. At first, I laughed. But the following week, I reluctantly signed up for it. By the second class, I was enjoying the subject, and something began to change my life. The videos were very moving, and I knew that God was calling him, me to himself. Today, I am a new man. My family can testify that I have changed. I no longer feel anguish or resentment. I met Jesus, 
and I do not plan to leave him. The TBJ course changed my life and that of my family. Isn't that amazing? And what strikes me from that story, first of all, that it's the word of God that brings about the change as it's placed into the hands of the prisoners. That secondly, the change is witnessed by others. It's real change. Their families say, you're not the same person. You're different. And thirdly, it's enduring change. It goes on. It's not flash in the pan. Years later, those people are still experiencing transformation because of the word of the Lord. And so, always good to apply the word of God to our lives. So three practical suggestions for you to take on board today. I mean, it's, uh, the picture of the two-edged sword is a very appropriate one, but it's quite, quite a destructive one in some ways, isn't it? And obviously the word of God is absolutely positive. So I wonder if the surgeon's scalpel would be perhaps another illustration you could use. It probing cuts to the heart, but for our benefit. Listen to and apply the teaching that you hear. If you find it helpful, make notes. But also think, how is this going to make a difference to me in the office or school or college or the supermarket on a Monday morning? How can I let the word of God exhort me to change? I'm sure this is something you do, but find time for individual and group Bible study. If you have small groups, it's a place where together you can explore and apply the Word of God in a very positive way. And then memorize and meditate upon Scripture. As Paul says it to the Colossians, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Remember that story of the two builders. One built his house on the sand and the other who builds his house on on the rock. And Jesus says, anyone who hears my word and puts it into practice is like the man who built his house on the rock. So memorize and meditate on scripture. And if that's something that speaks to you this morning, if you feel, well, actually, I'm not really getting to grips with the word of God in the way that I'd like to, I'm sure there are people here who will help you with that. There are certainly courses and things that you can get hold of which help you to study and to actively apply the Word of God. Well, let's look Aha. Let's look briefly at the second passage that Jeanette read for us. Because for me, this talks about the goal of exhortation, which is that we move on to maturity. I've got a little grandson called Laurie, and he's five years old, and he's absolutely delightful, and he's now in reception class, halfway through his first year at school in reception class, and he brings these little books home that he's reading. I think his latest one is Nim Nick Nick's Nits or something like that. They have these little tiny, do they call them phonemes? Is that right? Little tiny bits of language. So all the words are, are, are very short words related to one another and it's lovely just hear him struggling but getting on with getting to grips with reading these books and learning you know simple things about numbers and maths and stuff like that. and we just love it if in 13 years time when he's at the end of his sixth form course he's still struggling with nick's nits 
we would be seriously worried because we want to see and would expect to see progress as he moves on in maturity. Report card. Did any, now be honest now, because I've been told you're honest, so I can ask this question. <laughs> Did any of you ever get a report that said something like, could do better? <laughs> Did you ever get that? Actually, I was intrigued. I got this off Google, um, Google Images. Have a look at physical education. <laughs> I don't think he should get A for writing. <laughs> That's the way he spells physical education. <laughs> physical education. But yeah, the, this particular, or, or, or the section from which those two readings come, both begins and ends with a word that means kind of lazy or complacent or not doing the best that they can possibly do. And what the writer wants is for us to move on to maturity. It's a word you meet a lot in scripture. It's a Greek word, teleos. It's sometimes translated maturity or perfection. It really means reaching or achieving the purpose for which you were created. And the writer lists what he might call, you might call the core curriculum. Repentance, uh, faith, uh, baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection. Those things which probably would have been what they call the didache, the kind of teaching of the early church. And what he says is, these are the basics. You should, you should know these really well. And you should be moving on from this point. Now, there's something interesting here. Let me ask you another question. From what background had most of the readers of Hebrews come? Where have they come from? What was their background? The Jewish faith. And interestingly, all of those things which the writer mentions had counterparts in the Jewish faith. The repentance faith, laying on of hands, commissioning, uh, resurrection, all of those things had their counterpart. Now, one of the reasons that the book of Hebrews was written, is you think these people, these, the, 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 the Jewish congregation there, had been used to a physical temple. They had been used to making physical sacrifices, of taking them to a, a, a real high priest who would deal with the sacrifice and pronounce absolution from sin. And now as Christians, they're told that all of those things are gone. They've all been fulfilled in Jesus. We are now the living temple. He has made the perfect sacrifice. He is our great high priest. And the trouble was that some of them were kind of thinking of going back to the old way when those things were very, very tangible and very obvious, and some of them were given up meeting together. If you go on in the book of Hebrews, there's another exhortation. Do not give up meeting together. That's why meetings like this are so important. For mutual prayer and worship and encouragement and exhortation. Because there's actually a kind of twofold... It's a twofold exhortation. First of all, he says, leave behind. 
all of those things from the past, useful as they were, good as they may have been, that was then, this is now. Leave those behind. And he says, move on. Move on from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Don't stay the way that you are. And that's why that gift of exhortation is a gift to us. Because it enables us to grow, to mature, to move on in Christ. To be more and more conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the commentaries on Hebrews is by a guy called Steve Mattia. I don't know if he's the son of Alec Mattia. It's quite an unusual name, isn't it? I think he probably is. But he says this, remembering that Jewish leadership, there's so much more to be learned. As yet, we've only scratched the surface of all that is to be gained from knowing Jesus. Let's leave behind the basic foundations that you learned in the synagogue. We need to press on beyond the basics. And that's really my word for you this morning, that gift of exhortation, particularly through the Word of God, but also through others, that enables us to move on to the maturity. Do you remember my Joe Harry window? And do you remember that secret self? One of the ways in which we can address that secret self and begin to mature is through accountability, through opening up ourselves to others. And one of the things I would strongly encourage, if you don't already have a mentor, a spiritual director, a trusted friend, someone to whom you can open up and who you allow to speak into your life, can I strongly recommend that? Um, one of the ministries that Alison and I have been involved in since we retired is at Trinity College in Bristol, which publish it not in Gath, is an Anglican college. So here we are as Baptists going into an Anglican college, but that's okay. And we get involved in mentoring, giving spiritual direction to some of the students there, and it's a real privilege. But I myself know that I need a mentor, so I have a trusted friend, uh, an older, more mature Christian, with whom I meet once a month or so, and I'm just able to pour it all out, and he's able to give me direction and encouragement and help. So if that's spoken to you this morning, that whole area of opening yourself more and more up to the Word of God and applying it, opening yourself up to someone or others who can help you grow towards maturity, then that's really my counsel to you today. I'd like to pray. It's been an absolute delight, a pleasure, and a privilege to be with you all. Shall we pray? Father God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it's living, it's active, it changes us, it transforms us as we open ourselves up to it and allow the light of your word to shine into the darkness. And Father, my prayer is that through your Holy Spirit, that this morning we would not just be hearers, but doers of the word. That we would hear it and put it into practice. So our lives might be built on that firm and solid foundation. Lord, we want your word to dwell in us richly. So Holy Spirit, come now. Help us to apply all that you're saying to us for your praise and glory, and in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you.
You're very kind. Thank you very much. Thank Great. Thank you. I, as I was uh, just listening to Dave and uh, just really appreciate his encouragement to us, his exhortation to us this morning. Um, just one or two things occurred to me. I, and I was praying earlier this week. I was thinking, Lord, we... We used to talk about triplets, and I, I, I wonder how many of us are still continuing to meet as a triplet, okay? Because that is a tremendous uh, environment where we can exhort and encourage each other uh, to go on. So if you have been involved with a triplet, but you've let it lapse, perhaps there's an encouragement this morning to say, Let's renew that and let's, another Hebrews quote, spur one another on to love and good works. Um, life groups, of course, so vital and important. Do you know, it's so easy on a, you know, Monday or Tuesday night when you've had a long day at work to think, oh, I really could just do with a rest tonight. And I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. actually, you know, putting your coat on, getting out, getting there, it, it's not only for you, it's also the folks that you go to meet with need you because your presence there is an encouragement and a spur to others so uh, and I, I guarantee this I, 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 I well I've had it so many times I really don't want to go out to the prayer meeting tonight because it's waning and it's wet and I'm tired I don't know, but nevertheless I go I tell you I come home with a spring in my step because of God's presence there and because of the mutual encouragement that being together brings. And I think uh, the other thing you've raised this morning, Dave, is a very interesting one about having perhaps a particular person that you can relate to um, who mentor or um, whatever word you want to give to it. Um, so do, if, if, if that is like, Maybe that's spoken to your heart. Think about that. There are folks in the church, but it doesn't have to be in Livingstone. It may be someone outside whom you can go to, who you can trust to encourage you to become a better follower of Jesus. So, Lord, we lift up these things to you. Thank you, Lord, for this exhortation this morning. We pray, Lord, you will encourage us to, to go on to press on, Lord, there is, there is more that we, that you want for us, each one of us, Lord. You've created us for a glorious purpose. And Lord, you want us to press on into that. So I pray, Lord, that you will touch our hearts in different ways this morning to help us to go on, go on to that maturity that you have for us in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, <coughs> if you're able to stay for lunch today, it's a simple soup, bread, uh, 
cake and fruit type lunch uh, downstairs. You're very welcome to stay. And uh, if not, may the Lord bless you this week, go with you, and see you again next Sunday. Bye.